Hunter Hastings here. I'm the co-author, along with Jeff Sapestein, of the book, The Interconnected Individual, Seizing Opportunity in the Era of AI, Platforms, Apps, and Global Exchanges. As an interconnected individual, you'll want to know how cutting-edge thinking can help you design, implement, manage, and enjoy your own individual economy. When you're standing there on the cutting edge, you might be contemplating a number of choices and a number of decisions. You have alternatives, and they might all be good in different degrees. You don't know which one is best or what will happen when you allocate resources to new pathways. Often, there's not enough data to make a decision. You face uncertainty, and you're not yet ready to narrow your choices. What do you do? First, you've got to think agile. You may know agile as a methodology for software development. It's fast-changing, responsive to new learning and new data, and it continuously reallocates resources, sometimes daily, sometimes intraday. It never assumes that what was right yesterday will be right tomorrow. Marty Constant, in her book, Activate Your Agile Career, How Responding to Change Will Inspire Your Life's Work, uses Agile as a source for lots of decision-making tips and guides to help you make the best choices. One of the many compelling and challenging ideas the book provides is the concept of parallel pathing. If you have a new and attractive idea, but it's insufficiently proven for you to totally drop what you're doing today to seize the new opportunity, Marty can coach you on how to parallel path your way through the decision. It may concern a career change, or starting a business while you're still employed, or pivoting your current business in a new direction. We are privileged to have Marty here today, and we're going to explore this intriguing idea of parallel pathing. Marty, welcome. Thank you, Hunter. I am so happy to be here today. Well, it's very kind of you to join us. I know you've already talked to Jeff, and he's with us here again today. You talked about your wonderful book, Activate Your Agile Career. And we're going to drill down into one particular aspect of that book, which I think is very, very intriguing, which is the idea of parallel pathing. But before we get to that specifically, please help our listeners who maybe didn't hear your previous summary of the thesis of your book, that a, a process breakthrough that started in software design that we call Agile presages breakthroughs in all kinds of other design and creative processes from marketing to career management. So give us the quick summary of the thesis, Marty. All right. I'll give you a, a quick story. Uh, things are remembered best when uh, we start with, you know, why we do what we do. I uh, realized uh, several years ago, uh, not that long ago, but um, that as a marketer working in the software development world, I realized the wisdom of what software developers were doing in managing their projects and progressing through innovation and managing the whole process. And in that 
entire time, I also came together with a group of global marketers where we applied agile principles to marketing. Uh, and it was on the plane home from California, I live in Chicago, that I realized when gathering with these marketers and spending two entire days on figuring out how to take things like project breakdown, making things into smaller pieces, getting feedback early and often to have better project outcomes, I realized that this would be a phenomenal way to apply to the management of one's own career. Well, that's, that's a great, brilliant piece of creativity, jumping from the software process to the career management process. So tell us just a little bit more about how people can do that. What are the two or three bullet points about how you manage your own career using that perspective? Right. So there's, um, as you mentioned, there's a, a number of principles, but you know, two or three is just fine. If you think about your career in a continuum of events, one way to look about at that is to look at your career as a series of projects. A couple things happen when you break things down into projects. When any of us gets a special project at work, we're excited about it, we're energized about it because it has a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, great for our bosses, great for us, and we have something to show for it after a period of time. If you take that mentality that increases employee engagement and excitement about one's work and apply it to working jobs, it could be a, a one-year or a two-year or a three-year job, you can think of that as a two-year project where you set up some goals and move it forward optimize all of your knowledge and your capabilities, and then say at the end of that time period, what is it that I now want to learn and what kind of role do I want to have so that I can continue growing in my career? And this is something that was made quite famous by Reed Hoffman uh, with his growth of LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of these philosophies came from some of the earlier days there. And I think you found that taking that perspective, that idea of managing your career or managing individual parts of your career as a, a project changes the mindset. It, it empowers people to think in different ways. It, it releases them from tensions. It enables them to think of other options. It, it opens up new horizons. Can you just speak about the mindset a little bit? Yeah, so the mindset... Uh, when, as you said, Hunter, where one is, it's a more freeing situation. When you think about being free in working on this type of a project, it makes room for things like new ways of looking at things, innovation, um, and the ability to gather together other people that are on your project and to really feel like you've got uh, a way to work with individuals in the workplace 
that has much more optimal results because people are, again, engaged with this particular project. You come together for something rather than working in your silos. Well, I wanted to drill down today, Madi, on one of the recommendations in your book that I found particularly empowering and energizing as an idea, and that's what you call parallel pathing or establishing parallel paths. And I, I know when I was young and I was in the business world and we're thinking about strategy and one of the great strategic phrases was stick to your knitting, which meant not wandering beyond the strategic boundaries that had been set when you did your where to play and how to win strategic thinking and you focused on your core competencies and things like that. But you're urging, urging us to do something different and better to develop this skill of, of parallel pathing. So for our listeners, can you explain the concept and contrast it to that old thinking about sticking to your knitting and just doing one thing at a time? Sure. So parallel paths, as I describe it, can take the form of upskilling, advancing your skills in a certain area that you don't have all the answers. So you're taking a course or doing some things online. It could take the form of uh, education, additional certificate education. It could also take the form of hobbies. The interesting thing about something like a hobby is if you're a scientist and you end up working on a hobby on the side that develops different aspects of your brain. Let's just say you develop an artistic aspect of your brain where you're creating something or you're studying something like the, uh, the, you know, the solar system and you're taking and, and you, you happen to be expert at medicine. What you can do is take some of your observations from other areas that you're learning about, and you can recognize patterns and solutions in a different way, thus bringing back a fresh perspective to your work. So even though when you talk about sticking to your knitting, the reason we stick to our knitting is because we want to solve that problem. But we can also solve that problem by bringing in other ideas in other ways of thinking, and thus cultivating our own brain and how we solve problems. Yeah, so if I solve a different problem in a different area, that maybe gives me some new problem solution skills that I can bring to the original problem. Sure, and there's even a, um, there's an area of neuroscience that uh, is is you know an expert at describing this. It's really the idea of neuroplasticity is if you solve things one way, your brain is going to say, oh, this is problem A. This is how we solve problem A. But you, it's proven that when you have other data points and other um, ideas that come in that instill further ideas, that the neurons end up getting quite active and proving out that new solutions come in to solve a very pesky problem 
that you may not have been able to solve in the conventional way? Yeah, it's an exciting thought and uh, we can all benefit from it. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the practicality for some of our listeners who might feel that they're already overwhelmed. So I did the thought experiment of being a marketing director of a content site. It's fast paced, it's time intensive. I've got these brutal deadlines all the time. My iPhone's always on. I'm always receiving texts and calls and emails and Instagram alerts. I've got to respond to them. My Slack team never stops working. I'd like to think about exploring my own marketing startup, but boy, I can't even find the time to manage the one that I'm managing now. So in that kind of real world, super workload heavy environment, how can a person embrace the parallel pathing idea, Marty, without derailing what they're doing now? Well, you're describing, you know, since you and I both share a marketing background, you're describing my exact life. I used to call it a lack of white space. So you'd get even critiqued from your boss saying, you know, you're doing a lot, you're accomplishing a lot, but we need to move some other things forward. So you're, you're getting criticized for the very thing that you think you're doing right, which is being productive and answering all those texts and you know, detailing with what the board wants from you and getting everything done. But in reality, the real mission of the organization is enhanced when you can open up some of that white space. So let's take the example of a marketing idea that you have on the side that can help both you and the organization you work for. I had a project that I worked on the side because I realized I'm never going to open up white space for myself unless I create it. And I thought, how can I blend both? Uh, what I did is it was at a time when marketing was evolving pretty dramatically and I didn't have all the answers and I didn't have time to go get a, you know, another credential that I already, you know, already had the MBA, I already had digital marketing, went to the Twitter conference, all those kinds of things that helped me advance. So what I did is I created a marketing hackathon that I invited people from the area. So it was an in-person marketing hackathon and I invited people to come together to hack away at some of the problems they were having in their marketing departments. This accomplished two things. I was able to meet people that I ordinarily wouldn't meet because we're all so busy. And I did it on a weekend. I actually started late Friday and did it all day Saturday and got a really great showing. Uh, and what happened at that time period is I got a combination of small business marketers, a couple corporate marketers, and some solopreneurs. And when we blended all these people together and we were hacking away at some of the problems, we broke up into tables of four and five actually after we did a provocation or a presentation on an, on an idea from an expert. We then would break out into these uh, small groups and bring up some of the problems that we were trying to solve in our respective roles. And what was fascinating is some of the most innovative ideas came from the solopreneurs that did not have the support of an organization and they had to 
come up with some marketing ideas on their own. So you blend all those three different audiences together. And not only was I able to, you know, solve my own curiosity about how to solve problems, but I was able to bring some of the new ideas of channel marketing or um, let's call it funnel marketing now um, and drip marketing, which was a bigger deal at the time that I didn't really know a lot about. And I was able to bring that back to my corporation and I was able to enhance my own network and ideas about what I wanted to do with my next business. Yeah, that's a great example, Monty. And it kind of conjures in my mind this sort of picture of a, a progress map of the stages of parallel pathing that I might go through. Um, you know, maybe starting small and tentatively, like you said, you you called the hackathon at the weekend, but you got more information, you gained more direction. Now you start to build around that idea and that experience. And so is, is there a way that an individual can follow that kind of path that start with something, anything, start with something small and then pass on to something bigger and then build from there? Are there milestones? Are there good case studies that we can learn from? Well, we, we take it from the concept of agility. Uh, an agile uh, project would state that uh, anytime you apply agile processes to anything, the recommendation is, is to always start with a small project and to see how it works. And from an individual perspective, it really starts inside the individual, and that is what am I missing now and what is it that I want to be doing that I'm not doing now? And very much like uh, anyone who launches a big project, you have to figure out what is the smallest aspect of this project that I can take on. The human nature is such that we want to create this big thing, but doing a smaller piece of it is less stress. And it's an experiment that will enable us to move something forward. And it could be a business idea. It could be something similar to the hackathon that I was trying to solve my own marketing problems in my department and wanted to look elsewhere to get ideas. Uh, but a lot of people, um, I actually, there's a couple people I've talked to recently that are building businesses on the side while they're working their full-time jobs and they're complementary, but they're doing it in a way that they say, start with research. So maybe, you know, they want to build this business, but the way to start it is to talk to 10 professionals, collect information and figure out how this um, would work for this type of product. So it could be as simple as just, taking on a phone or a coffee research project um, in the market. Do you actually do a project map or a project plan for your parallel pathing, or is it more spontaneous than that? A lot of it depends on the individual. If you want to work the way that you know software developers do and some of the agile marketers do, yes, you'll use some of the tools. Um, I simply use things like uh, an Excel spreadsheet, and uh, I'm a I'm a big list person, and basically 
do what I did early on in project management days was, you know, what, what is the work breakdown structure here and what, what do I need to get done and what can I do first and what can I then do on my project in parallel? And if it's already a parallel project, so you're, you're doing it in a micro way. So yeah, making a list. Yep. Um, there must be downsides here. There must be tripwires that you've found out or do's and, or I should say don'ts that you've, uh, that you've come across. Do you have any advice for anybody who might be considering parallel pathing, anything to look out for? Well, it depends on what they're parallel pathing in. If they're parallel pathing this curiosity about how to learn the latest technology in their industry, I would say that's, you're, you're, you're being very transparent with your boss and you're saying, this is what I'm going to do. And maybe you'll get even a budget to support that. And it becomes this really great project. If it's a business that could be a side business that could be perceived as taking away from your focus at work, it could be something where the employer may say, you know what, I'm not a real big fan of what you're doing on the side. A, I don't want to know about it. And I don't want to think that it's taking away from your focus at work. Is parallel pathing for everybody? Marty, one of the things Jeff and I try to do is identify uh, traits in people and, and use those traits and the analysis of those traits to help them figure out whether they should be entrepreneurs or whether to make a career change, that kind of thing. Everybody has different strengths and capabilities and interests. So is parallel pathing for everybody? Is it something everybody should do? It depends on how we define the parallel path. If we define a parallel activity, like getting upskilled in something that you know nothing about, that you could do in the evenings or on the weekends to get better at something, I would say everybody could do that. If if the parallel path is a hobby that may or may not become a business idea, I would say that most people will benefit from pursuing a hobby because it will up their game in the area of creativity and growth and happiness, which everyone wins there. If it is a specific business idea, and I think this is where you might be going, is is everyone an entrepreneur? The real question is, I don't think everyone's going to be an entrepreneur or is even a good candidate for it. So if their side project, if a side project is an entrepreneurial pursuit, it's it simply you know matches to the same exact percentage of population that is inclined to start a business on the side. That doesn't really change. The only difference is that a hobby may give someone that hasn't considered something the confidence and courage to say, oh, I think I could move this forward, this idea. And I think if I work out a business plan, this might be something I could build into a business. Right. I think it's a great way to discover whether you're an entrepreneur or not. Follow your your hobby or something you love and do it. Gently, and eventually, maybe you'll become an entrepreneur, even if you didn't think you could. Right. Have you had any experience or uh, success in coaching the HR department in the corporation to think about 
parallel pathing for their employees because they might see it as uh, as diversionary and they might not see all the benefits that that you're pointing out. Have you had any discussions like that with HR people? Well, I, I've talked with some, uh, you know, Fortune 100 company um, last week, um, not necessarily the HR department last week, but it was the um, manager of a rather large department. And I spoke with his team uh, on three specific ideas. One of them was this idea of parallel pathing. And he, he, pers- he specifically wanted me to come in to his organization because they need new ideas to, to stay current with their industry. And there happened to have been um, a, uh, a safety problem that happened at this organization. And one of the individuals, when I asked about working on something in parallel, she brought up this idea and, and she, she came up with a really, really great idea. And a lot of big organizations, it's hard to move an idea forward. But she went through their processes and said, you know, I think I could reduce our safety incidents by, you know, a certain percentage by coming up with a better idea for shoes or whatever, you know, whatever it was. In this particular case, it was certain type of industrial shoes. And it was fascinating to me that this group of this very large organization wants people like this woman who came up with this innovative idea to be encouraged to do so because it encourages them to stay. The average length of tenure in the room at this organization was, it's a very, um, very attractive company, um, was about eight years. Some of them were 15, some of them were 20. Uh, And it was fascinating to me that this man and in, in this, you know, senior manager was evolved enough to want to bring this into his organization. And he also wanted to bring in the concept of optimizing the personal brand at the organization so that people across this rather large organization would know what each person is capable of. So I thought that was really, uh, that was an enlightened manager. Yeah, and it makes me think also of uh, Google's reported strategy of having their engineers spend 10% of their time on, on their own projects. And that leads to a lot, of, a lot of innovation. And that takes me to another level, Marty, of, of thinking beyond the individual level, but to the, the firm level and the company level, which you've started to shed some light on there, that maybe parallel pathing is the future of of business strategy. I, I was thinking about financial services, and we see that traditional bank lending and also some other traditional activities like IPOs are declining. They haven't gone away, but new forms of financing emerge like private credit for big companies and ICOs for smaller companies, tokenization and and so on, and different places where businesses can get loans. So there are parallel paths towards corporate financing. Uh, Is that an example, do you think, of strategy-level parallel pathing, or or are there any better examples you can think of? Well, I like the idea of uh, financial services and all of the companies that are in fintech right now. 
there's a lot of disruptive solutions that are going to change the way that banking is done. My husband works in a more traditional banking environment, and I, I discussed this with him about, you know, how does Bitcoin and, you know, things that change the way that the world sees transactions, how is that going to impact? And the reality is it's, it might not be impacting these large organizations this very moment, but it is happening incrementally. And I think um, if you think about the way that you've described parallel pathing for problem solving, it's really just different avenues to solve problems. You know, we know that Singularity University exists to work with young people to solve problems in a disruptive way, the way that Elon Musk solves battery problems or space problems. These are disruptive solutions versus even an incremental build. And there's more and more of that that's going to go on. We know that the, the, the average tenure or a length of a large corporation being in business used to be 20 and 30 years. Now it's like what, a lot of them are less than 15, where they um, are put out of business by the nimble competition who is able to respond to the market in a helpful and disruptive way that becomes the norm. I mean, that's how Google came into being. Yeah, you're talking about Elon Musk, and I remember him breaking down the challenge of building a, a rocket to go into orbit. It costs whatever it costs, $100 million. And he broke it down into pieces. How much does it cost for the metal? How much does it cost for the fuel? How much does it cost for the electronics? And he found a way to build a rocket for a tenth of the cost and make it reusable, which was a parallel path kind of solution to building rockets. Definitely. And the other creative thought, uh, you know, if we're talking about you know, space or, or getting you know, better cars that um, use different fuels, you know, let's talk about, you know, the government. I worked in the mobile security space. Elon Musk has worked in a number of organizations where the initial funding for the research comes from the government um, till you get a project to a certain point because the future is so important. So the government, you know, was at the beginnings of the internet. The government has funded just about every major innovation that we're all impressed with now. Uh, and it, that, that's always been fascinating to me that, you know, solving the problems through unique funding ways. You know, we, we think of VCs and angel money and all that, but so much of what we're, what we're um, benefited from today started with government funding. One of the challenges with the old stick to your knitting strategy is resource allocation. And we were always advised to allocate all of our resources to what was most important. The challenge in parallel pathing is allocating resources to many different parallel paths. And that sounds like it's, it's diluting focus as opposed to adding creativity. Have you come across any solutions to the resource allocation problem? Well, I think the way that we thought about it in the past was uh, projects with very long 
timelines and even project portions that were longer. If we take what we're doing now and break them down into even smaller, uh, you know, let's, let's just break something down to two to two to three week turnaround. If you're breaking things down and learning, you're able to jettison off something that doesn't work and, and navigate to the thing that does work. Um, Seth Godin wrote a really great book called The Dip. And it's a way of looking at solving a problem in a certain way and knowing when to quit and when to persist. That's a similar, that's a similar way if you're thinking about parallel paths, which ones should we should quit and which ones we should uh, kick in our, our, our persistence, uh, our habit of persistence and focus. Well, that's, that's a great additional insight, breaking everything down into these small uh, pieces and, and then figuring out if you can be successful or not in each one of those small pieces. It gets you to move fast and, and uh, to use the word, be agile. So is this new strategy that I think we've established is very beneficial for the fast-changing world we live in now? Is it something we should be teaching in business school? Because I get the impression that we don't actually do that. We're still teaching old-fashioned strategy in, in business school. And right. We need to replace that with more adaptive thinking of the, the type you're talking about. What do you think? Right. You know, yeah, I, I do think that there's still a lot of the, you know, Michael Porter's five C's. And the important, while that is really valuable and I've never forgotten it, and it's become, you know, it's... Um, you know, these competitive strategies that are somewhat evergreen. Um, I think being adaptive is absolutely essential. Just look at the complexion of our workforce. 34% of us work contract consultant freelance. Within a few short years, it'll be over 40, 45%, I believe, is, is what it's... Um, the researchers have established. And what that means is organizations are adapting and they are working differently and they are hiring experts when they need them. And some of the people in the organization are the generalists that are managing these, you know, awesome complex projects. So maybe it is seeping into, uh, into business gradually, as, as most innovations do, but it's making a dramatic change. So that's an insight, but you're, you're way ahead of the rest of us, Madi. So thank you for this discussion today. Listeners, you can find a link to Marty's book, Activate Your Agile Career, How Responding to Change Will Inspire Your Life's Work. You can find that link at interconnectedindividuals.com and also at hunterhastings.com. Marty, is there any other uh, website or a place that you'd like to send listeners to to learn more about your, your work and your thinking? Sure. Uh, I'm launching a you know, 52 uh, fresh ideas every week for uh, 2019. So anyone who wants to subscribe, they can go to agilecareer.com. Wow. AgileCareer.com for 52 new ideas. That's uh, it's exciting. We'll try and keep up with you, Marty, but it'll be hard. But thank you very much for today. And that's it for today at Interconnected Individuals. Thanks for listening. Thank you.